0: Thank you, Dylan, for reading our scripture tonight. We're glad that you're here. I do want to encourage you, if you noticed that someone was not here this morning, I want to encourage you to maybe give them a call or send a card and let them know that we missed them. I know that the last couple of weeks or so we've had fall break and a lot of people have been coming and going, but we want to encourage those that maybe were not here for whatever reason uh, to make sure that they can be back with us again next Sunday. We're glad that we have the opportunity to worship God tonight. The privilege that we have to sing together, pray together, and now study. As we look at 1 Timothy chapter six, we're gonna be focusing on verses six through 12 in our study tonight. And we wanna talk about the importance of investing wisely. All of us would agree it's important to make wise investments in life. And there are some folks that have unwisely invested in stocks and bonds and other things and ended up losing everything. And while that's sad, the flip side of that is, spiritually speaking, we need to make sure that we make wise investments. Jesus talked about the importance of laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Sadly, sometimes people do not invest in the spiritual dimension of life. And so in 1 Timothy chapter six, I think the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of making wise investments, spiritually speaking. I wanna begin by talking about the danger of investing in the transitory dimension of life. And I would say that when we invest, in the transitory side of life that we are making an unwise investment. And the reason is because it's here today and gone tomorrow. But there are two things that I want you to note with me in our lesson text together. First of all, consider the axiom that never changes. Listen if you would to what Paul said beginning in verse seven. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I remember years ago when Braden was born, I had the opportunity to be in the room. And when Braden came into this world, he came with nothing. The flip side of that is, I have also been present when people have departed this life. And just as we come into this world with nothing, the bottom line is we leave with nothing. Centuries ago, Job the great patriarch of the past said, naked came I into this world and naked shall I depart. In light of that, and also in view of what Paul said here, what does that say about what we are and the things that we possess in this life? It says, number one, that we are transitory beings. And then secondly, everything that we have in this life, at best, we are but a steward of those things. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that that which is required of a steward is that a man be found faithful. Ultimately, everything that I possess belongs to one person, and that's God. Back in the Psalms, in Psalm 50, the psalmist, speaking on behalf of God, said, every beast of the field is mine. He said, the cattle on a thousand hills. And then he went on to say, I know all the birds of the mountains. And the wild beasts of the field are mine. And then he makes an interesting observation. He said, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all its fullness. In Psalm 50, 10 through 12. All God was saying is that he has entrusted into our care the things of this life, but ultimately everything belongs to God. And that's why when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, look, we came into this world with nothing and it is certain We will leave with nothing. Unfortunately, there are a lot of folks that have hooked their wagon to the world. And if you didn't know better, you would think that for them, it's all about the here and now. And Paul's saying you need to to be careful to not buy in to that concept. Now there's a second thing that he talks about, and that is an attitude that needlessly corrupts. First, there is the axiom, and then secondly, the attitude. In verses 9 and 10, here's what Paul said. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful or harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed or erred from the faith in their greediness or covetousness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul here talks about the danger of buying into the material. There are a lot of people in in the world, past and present, that for them it was all about money and materialism. And Paul is saying you need to guard yourself against this mentality or this mindset. Why? Well, there's two reasons. Number one is because it can undermine your faith. Listen again to what Paul said. Those who desire to be rich, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Abraham, for example, back in the Old Testament, the father of the faithful, a man that was a friend of God, was extremely rich or wealthy. And there have been others down through the ages that have been wealthy. But sometimes individuals get so caught up in their pursuit of riches that they forget about God. And so Paul said the desire to be rich, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts. I think about people that are workaholics. And sometimes they will literally work seven days a week because they want to be rich, they want to be wealthy. I knew a fella that used to say years ago he wanted to be a millionaire by the time he was 40. Well, he he didn't make it. And so he readjusted his calendar. Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be wealthy or have money if you'll use it properly. If you understand that you're but a steward of those things, but if you allow those things to encroach upon your faith and come between you and God, then you have trouble. And what happens is sometimes people become so consumed with greed, and greed is identified as covetousness, that we lose sight of what is important in life. And so we're willing to do anything to gain more and more of this world's goods. In verse 10, he said, the love of money is a root. It's not the root, but it is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Did you know that there are people in jail today? They're in prison because they have bilked people out of millions and millions of dollars. Extortion, white collar crime, we see it every day. And here Paul is saying that if you love material goods and money, if you place that as the chief aim of life, you're headed for trouble. And the reason is because it can undermine your faith in Almighty God. Drop down and look at verse 17. Sometimes individuals have the idea that when they become wealthy, when they have enough money in the bank, then they have a sense of security. All is well. Look at verse 17. Here's what Paul said concerning those who are rich. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, that is, not to be arrogant or puffed up, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Note what he said. Uncertain riches. Why? Because it can be here today and gone tomorrow. There have been people that have had unbelievable amounts of money in the bank, stocks and bonds, and lost it all. Why, because life is uncertain. Economically speaking, things can can turn on a dime. And so he said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God is the dispenser of every good and perfect gift. When we talk about that which we possess, it ultimately comes from one source, that's Almighty God. James said, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights. God is the one that blesses us materially, monetarily. It's up to us to be wise stewards of those things. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 look the things that you have you need to exercise wisdom or prudence in how you use those things and so in light of that listen to what Paul said to those who are rich to those who have material goods let them do good that they be rich in good works ready to give willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the life to come that they may lay hold on life eternal Many years ago, A.M. Burton, who lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and was owner of the l c building, and ultimately, I guess if you go back and you begin to look at, at, at his biography, you'll see that he was the owner of the Life and Casualty Company. Brother Burton was said to have given away 90% of everything that he made. He was a good steward, he used what he had To bless the lives of others. And so don't let money or materialism undermine your faith. And then there's a second thing. And that is things can undermine our future. Our future with God. Look again at what Paul said in verse 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and snare and many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. He's talking there about eternal loss. In verse 10, he said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They've erred from the faith. They forgot about their relationship to God. Isn't it sad to see people that have reached the sunset years of life, who at one time had been faithful members of the body of Christ, they'd been productive in their service to God and their fellow man, and something along the way snapped. They lost sight of what was important. They're not faithful today. They're on thin ice, spiritually speaking. And so That's the danger of investing in the transitory dimension of life. Now, the flip side of that is that we can invest in the timeless dimension of life. And I think about the delight, the genuine joy of knowing that we're doing what God wants us to do. There are a lot of blessings and benefits to being a child of God. And one of the great blessings of of acknowledging God in life and recognizing that this book is a pattern for life is understanding that the Bible is intended to better our lives, to equip us, so that we can live a happy, successful, contented life. Those who invest in the timeless dimension of life would be making a wise investment. So having said that, I want to call attention to verse six and I want to talk about for just a moment or two the formula for contentment. Because I think as we, as we look at life and, and we talk about where we are in, in our own life, in our own lives, all of us want to be happy, We want to be contented. We want to feel like that we have made a mark on this world. We want to feel some measure of success, don't we? I think all of us do. There are a lot of people in our world today, they're looking for happiness, contentment, and success in life. The only problem is they're looking in all the wrong places. So what's the key, what's the formula for contentment? Well, number one, you've got to invest wisely. You've got to invest in the timeless dimension of life. But here's what Paul said. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. What's contentment all about? According to Paul, if you want to be content in life, you need to learn to live a godly life. That's where a lot of folks miss it. They're looking at things, whether it's material things or money, or success, popularity, whatever. They have the idea that that's what makes makes life complete. I wanna give you an example. I want you to turn back with me for just a moment to the book of Ecclesiastes. As we think about the formula for contentment, I want you to look with me for just a moment or two at what Solomon says concerning life and acquiring happiness or fullness in life. Because when you look at the life of Solomon, and really in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is placing life under a divine microscope. Solomon had the opportunity to experience a lot of different things in this life. And so if anybody was qualified to talk about contentment or happiness, wholeness in life, Solomon would have been the man. So look first of all at verse one, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Number one, Solomon was extremely powerful, wasn't he? Then in verse 12 he said, I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. He succeeded his father to the throne according to 1 Kings chapter two. He was the king over the United Kingdom. He was no doubt an extremely powerful man. But then drop down and note verse 16. He said, I have attained greatness. He makes the same statement down in chapter two. So not only is he a man of immense power, but he is a man of prominence. Everybody knew who Solomon was. The Bible talks about how the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. This guy was famous. And then drop down and look at chapter two. Pleasure. Solomon said in verse one, come now I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. Note what he says in verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure So here you have a guy that was powerful, prominent. He keyed in on the pleasures of life. And then what about his possessions? Back up and look at verse four. He said, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. He said, yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So here you have somewhat of a synopsis of the life of Solomon. Solomon has fame, he has fortune, he has it all. Listen to what he says down in verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed, all was vanity and grasping for wind. There was no profit under the sun. What do you think Solomon's saying? Solomon's saying, if you think If you think power or position in life is going to lead to a life of contentment, you're wrong. If if you think you can go out and find pleasure in the world, talking about the world itself, you're wrong. If you think that prominence or fame, and I know it's intoxicating to a lot of folks, But if you think that's what's going to make you happy and satisfied, you're wrong. You may have a house filled with treasures. Solomon did. But it didn't make him happy. Look over in chapter five for a minute. Here's what he said in chapter five, verse 10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. All Solomon is saying is, if you have a dollar, you're gonna want two. If you have this, you're gonna want want that. Ask our class on Wednesday night not long ago, have you ever wanted something really, really badly? And, and you just decide what that something is many, many of us through the years there there have been things or maybe there's just been this one thing that, that we have wanted and so we've saved and worked and labored and then once we got that one thing it's like really wasn't that great was it wasn't what I thought it'd be we, we think that we think it's gonna make us happy. If we can just get this one thing, then I'm gonna be satisfied. It doesn't work that way. That's what Solomon is saying. If you get one thing, you've got to get something else. And then you've got to get something else, why? Because those things do not satisfy. So now turn over to chapter 12. In chapter 12, Solomon chronicles the aging process and in a very vivid way he talks about how as we sojourn here on on planet earth that we are growing older and ultimately life gives way to death. And so down in verse verse 7 he said the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Now look at verse 13. Solomon has tried everything in this world to find what I would say is contentment, happiness, joy. A sense of worth. But here's what he concludes. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, my translation, the New King James Version, says, for this is the whole duty of man. A better rendering of that would be, for this is man's all. In other words, what's life all about? Fearing God, keeping his commandments? What did Paul say in 1 Timothy chapter 6? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Did Solomon not come to appreciate that that statement? in a sense, did he not come to realize that things and power and position and prestige and all these things that we think are going to make us happy and content in life, did he not conclude it's not there? And the answer is a resounding yes. So, go back now with me and look at First Timothy chapter 6. What about the framework for contentment? Is it possible for me to find contentment in this life? To find a sense of worth? I think the answer is yes. So there are some some characteristics that Paul talks about in verse 11. And I want to remind you of something that Paul said to the church at Philippi. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am therein to be content. How do we we arrive at a a state of contentment in life? We learn to be content. It is a learned process. I don't think we just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm content. I think we have to learn contentment. I think we have to understand that contentment, I'm talking about genuine contentment, contentment doesn't come from the transitory material side of life. It comes through a relationship with God and developing characteristics that build on that that mindset. So here's what Paul said beginning in verse 11. Those characteristics, but you, O man of God, flee these things, that is, Don't get caught up in the material side of life. Flee that that mentality. And pursue or follow righteousness. That is right thinking. How is it that I'm going to think correctly or how can I think rightly in a world that's upside down? I've got to understand that my value system must be rooted in scripture, in God, and not in what's the latest trend and what's the latest fad in society. And so righteousness. And then he said godliness, godlikeness. The Bible tells us that we have been made in the image and the likeness of God. And the straightest line to self-esteem is the throne of God. If we can only understand, if we can only come to understand that God-like behavior will equip us for a contented life, to be like the Lord, to, to realize that godliness, godlikeness, enables us to rid ourselves of the baggage of sin and guilt and shame. Wake up every day with a sense of worth and purpose in life. That's why a lot of people aren't content. They don't have any purpose. They don't have any aim. They don't have any goals in life. And their goals are short-sighted. They're not eternal in nature. And then he said faith. Faith in God. We live in a faithless society. I was talking to a neighbor today. And during the course of our conversation, we, we were talking about some of the things that are going on in our world today and I made the statement to him and I've said this before but I want to just reiterate it very quickly I remember years ago sitting in a class and and the person teaching that class said we are now living in a post Christian nation ever wonder how could that be when this man said, said that I couldn't believe it stunned me yet the truth of the matter is we are living in a post-Christian nation. Why is that? Because we are living in a society that for all intents and purposes has lost its way in acknowledging the God of the Bible and God's word. So developing faith and love, agape love, the kind of love that is sacrificial and service-oriented. Wouldn't it be great if every person in the world today loved his or her neighbor as Jesus loved us, as the Lord commanded in John 13, 34, and 35? Wouldn't it be a better, a better world to live in? When, when you have genuine, heartfelt love for one another, it leads to satisfaction and contentment in life. And then patience or endurance, that is a persevering spirit. And finally, gentleness or meekness, strength under control. Paul is saying that if you will internalize these characteristics, it's going to help you be the kind of person with whom God would be pleased. And it's going to give you a sense of fulfillment, contentment in life. And then in verse 12, the command. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. To which you are also called and have confessed that good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There's an ever present battle. It's an ongoing battle in the world. And the battle is for your mind. It's for my mind. The devil wants control of our mind. And the devil wants us to believe that you can't be happy... If you don't have this or that or this or that, and what God is saying is that's not the case. You wanna be happy, then invest wisely. Take these these characteristics, internalize them. Live them out. And then keep fighting fighting the good fight of faith. When, When people begin telling you that you need this or you need that in life to make you happy, you just keep fighting on. You keep your head in the book of all books and keep your eyes pointed toward the cross reminding yourself that you have before you eternal life. There are a lot of folks in our world they're not happy. Depression. Anxiety. Probably in, in many respects, has reached epidemic proportions in our society. And the reason is because people have invested unwisely. All of their attention, all their focus in life is on the transitory, the ephemeral things of life. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told a parable about a man whose barns were overflowing, And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Only one problem. Jesus said, tonight, your soul is required. And the things that you have accumulated, whose will they be? Again, going back to this axiom. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. So Jesus said, so is he who layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. When you invest in that which is eternal, you are laying up treasure in heaven. You're rich toward God. Let me close by encouraging all of us. Don't be fooled. Don't don't be fooled. By the world. Don't let the devil, please don't let the devil make you think that the only way you can be happy in life is to have a bank load of money, a boatload of money, and land and houses and all these things, or to have prestige and fame in this life. I promise you this. If you find happiness in those things, it will only be temporary. So buy into that which is eternal. And in so doing, it's my conviction, you'll find true happiness and contentment in life. Are you a Christian? If you're not a child, if you're not a child of God, could I encourage you to come to Christ? Could I encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, believing that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be, and then walk away from a life of sin. Is it easy? No, it's not, but you can do it. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And then if you will confess before others that you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and be baptized into Christ, the Bible says all your sins are washed away, Acts 2:38. You will be a part of the body of Christ, the church, Acts 2:47. And The beauty of that is when the Lord comes, he's coming to save his church, Ephesians 5, 23. You'll be among the saved. This old world is passing away. It's wearing out, running down. It'll be gone one day. But our relationship with God will not be, it it will not pass away. So I want to encourage you if you're not a Christian, come to the Lord. If you're unfaithful, come home tonight as we stand and sing.